0: Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests.
1: Just Pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further.
0: You are listening to Just Pod, baby. A Las Vegas
1: Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote.
2: Raider Nation, hello, and let's go. Welcome to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SportsNot.com. As I told you last week, I am now a segment producer with SportsNot.com, and I'm happy to. Tell you that my first two segments that I helped produce are available over at the website right now. If you search under the videos tab, you will see that there's a couple different previews available for you. Uh, the first preview that we have for you is a college basketball season preview, and you can check out our interview with insider Adam Zagoria. I thought he was great. Had a lot of good information, and he is very much connected to what's going on with these teams because he speaks to these coaches uh, day in, day out. So he has a good feel for all the teams. Um, The season uh, tips off next week on Monday, November 7th. So if you're a fan of college basketball, check that one out. And then the other preview we did was uh, in the college football uh, we got that big time game between Georgia and Tennessee on Saturday at 3:30 on CBS. We were joined by Joe Rexrode of the Athletic who covers all things Nashville, Nashville and, and and other things uh you know in the surrounding area in Tennessee. Um I'm sure many of you guys out there are are big-time college football fans as well as as I am. Um, I'm kind of basing my whole Saturday around that football game I don't want to miss. I think it's going to be a great game. So you can check out that preview with Joe. Um, And and so there's a lot of good things happening right now over at sportsnot.com. Please make sure you head over there and and check it all out. Also, please make sure that you follow me on Twitter at eGrowth5. Um, also follow the sportsnot Twitter page. that's at sportsnot N-A-U-T. Um, and uh, if you're a fan you know uh, of sports outside of just the Raiders and the NFL, then you will definitely um, enjoy sportsnot. Uh, make sure also that you're subscribing to the podcast. Now I am back with sportsnot. I am the podcast is back on the old feed. And so, uh, get that thing activated again. Go out there, subscribe, and make sure that you are getting access to all of the new shows each and every week. Now, I was not with you guys for the recap show uh, on Monday this week. I do apologize for that. For those of you that do follow me on Twitter, then you probably saw my message that I put out there that I, it was Halloween. I had to take the kids out. You know, I've got a six year old and an eight year old. And, and so, you know, family comes first, and I and I wanted to be with them, um, trick or treating on Monday night. So, just didn't have time to to squeeze a show in uh, this week for the recap. But I am here with you now. I'm here with you this evening to preview the Week Nine matchup versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. I can't believe we are now in the month of November, Week Nine. I mean, the season is going to be half over uh, after this week. It, it's flying right along here. Uh, but a couple of the topics that I'm going to get to here in the rundown for this week, I'm going to give you uh, some brief comments uh, from last week's game. I know it's a it's, it's old news now. Um, you may not want to hear it, but you know because I wasn't with you on Monday, I, I thought some of you might want to hear some of my thoughts. Maybe some of you are still a little bit upset about that, and you you want to talk a little bit more about that. So I'll, I'll do that briefly, and then the other topic that I want to discuss. Um, th- this week, and it was really the big news from the week, um, is, is Dave Ziegler, General Manager Dave Ziegler. He he met with the media down in Florida. for He gave him a solid 30 minutes, and it was the first time we've heard from him in a long time, uh, so I'll give you my reaction to some of what he had to say. Um, And then after the break, we'll come back from our break in segment two, and we're going to start looking at the opponent, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And to do that, we will be joined by Mark Long, who covers the Jaguars for the Associated Press. So you don't want to miss that conversation if you're looking to get some preview, some insight into the Jacksonville Jaguars. But before we get into all of that, of course, I have to mention Raider Nation did receive some sad news on Thursday with the announcement of the passing of Hall of Fame puncher Ray Guy at the age of 72, um, apparently uh, Ray Guy had been dealing with an illness and for a very long time now. I'm not sure the details of that illness, but I read that he was living in hospice care and whatnot. So, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people honoring him today, a lot of fans honoring him on social media, some of the other Raiders uh, radio, you know, stations, and and. Uh, podcasts and whatnot people out there um, giving him his tribute Um, and I think that's a good thing and I'm sure there'll be many many more Ray Guy tributes in the coming days as uh, his life is celebrated so I want to make sure that I commented on that Um, but but moving along here we're going to begin this evening with some quick thoughts back uh, we're going to go back a couple days to the game with the Saints. And, you know, there's not much that I could say that has not already been said. Uh, it was a dismal performance. Um, it seems like every year we see one of these games happen. I think back to 2019, it was a 34-3 loss to the Jets at MetLife Stadium, which uh, was the start of a four-game losing streak that season. And then in 2020, it was a 43-6 to loss to the Atlanta Falcons also. That game also took place on the road. I believe the Falcons had two or three wins at that point in the season. And then in 2019, they lost uh, 48-9 to to the Chiefs. Now, in most cases, these types of games happen against a team that they're better than, in my opinion, and it was a game that they should have won. Maybe not the case last year against the Chiefs, but certainly I thought, it was a winnable game on Sunday versus the saints. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for the Raiders because, you know, I said on the preview show that this was a game that I, I didn't think should be overlooked. Um, I, I, I talked about the offense for the saints and their ability to, to be able to score points recently. They were averaging 31 points coming into the game in their last four. I talked about Camara. I talked about Hill and how they could, you know, r- affect the game, and that's obviously what we saw. They were both heavily involved in the game plan, and so I wasn't necessarily surprised that the Raiders lost the game. Um, again, I, I do think it was a game they could have won when you look at the matchup. Um, but what, what, what I was surprised about the most was, again, not that they lost. It was how they lost. Okay. And the surprise to me is with the offense and and their lack of ability to really generate any kind of offense, generate drives that they were sustaining any kind of, you know, anything (laughs) picking up first downs. Um, So that's, that's what was surprised me because I, I thought it would be a high scoring game given that both teams defenses were allowing a lot of points Um, and, and I will say this, you know, the saints, they're definitely better than their two and five record indicated. I I see, I've seen a lot of on Twitter. They have this one. I'm not sure who puts it out there, but you know, who was the best two and four team? I saw that last week. And of course the Raiders were listed as one of those teams. I think it was safe to say this. The saints are, you know, are a much better team than their, than their record indicated. Um, three, three and five, I believe they are. I said two and five, I apologize, but you know, you heard from our guest Luke Johnson a week ago who covers the Saints. They've got good players on defense, the Saints. You know, they have not played well this season uh, up until week 8. But my issue is 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 with the way the Raiders lost last week. That that's the problem. To get shut out by a defense who was giving up 28 points a game, that's an embarrassment. That that is a complete and utter failure by the offense. Um it was an embarrassment by Every man on that offense, all the way from Derek Carr Derek Carr, excuse me, and his performance, which I thought was awful, uh, to the offensive line, which was exposed badly. They allowed way too much pressure on Derek Carr. The run game was completely shut down. Josh Jacobs didn't do a whole lot. Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams, where were those guys? I mean, how in the world does Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro combine for two catches and nine yards, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's what the numbers were. How is that possible? Where's Hunter Renfro been this season? I know he's dealt with some with the concussion, but where has that guy been after signing that big deal? I mean, he's nowhere to be found out there. At least, at least Adams has had some games where he's done some good things. But to not cross the fifty-yard line essentially for the entire game. I can't say that I have ever seen that happen in a Raiders game. I mean, I was thinking long and hard. When is the last time I saw that? I can't think of a time. Maybe you guys can. But Josh McDaniels, he definitely should have the finger pointed at him right now uh, as well because you know it was clear from the start of the game that, that his team, especially on offense, did not come out. And they did not play with the urgency and focus that you would expect to see from a team that was two and four going into the game. Okay, now I saw a, a divided fan base again this week online, which is always the case with the Raiders after a loss. And, you know, I even caught some criticism. I, I even had some people criticizing me for some of the things that I was saying. Because I was putting the finger at the offense. Now, and that's fine. You know, I don't I don't take that stuff personally. I mean, when you put your thoughts out there on Twitter and when you're putting your thoughts out there on a podcast, you're opening yourself up for criticism. And then I know that. And everyone has their own opinion. And I'm not here to tell anyone what to believe or what to think. I'm just giving you my opinion. But my opinion of what went wrong was that it wasn't the defense that underperformed on Sunday, right? I mean, think about what the defense has done this season. I mean, statistically, take a look. They are a bad, bad defense. We know that. I am not denying that. They are, they are the problem with this team. And that's who they are. They don't generate a pass rush. They don't create turnovers. And, and that is what we saw again on Sunday. A team that gave up 24 points, didn't create any turnovers, didn't get after the quarterback. And offensively, though, the Raiders going into that game were the third highest scoring team in the league. Coming off a 38-point performance. I know they had a defensive touchdown in that one, but 31 points, we'll say, by the offense. I think they were averaging 28 points going into the game. And they come out there and get shut out? by a team that had been giving up 29 points a game, the 30 the 30th ranked scoring defense in the NFL. They didn't hold up their end of the bargain. They didn't even put up a fight. I mentioned they didn't cross the 50-yard line until the final drive of the game, which I think that actually happened with like 4 minutes to go in the game with the backups in the game. And so, I know people don't like the finger pointing and the blaming. And I get it, you know, that's that's not going to help anything, I, I understand, but that's what we do. That's what we do. We evaluate each game, we break it down, and last week, to me, it was the offense who didn't get it done. It was the offense who underperformed. Even if the defense had held the, the Saints to 15 points, the Raiders wouldn't have won that game. So they didn't get it done, not even close. So the Raiders now are 2-5 are, are and five with 10 games to play. And the question now becomes, how many more games can they afford to lose? Because Because, you know, realistically, if they want to have a shot at the playoffs, they can't lose many more games. They need to do something very, very special here. Do they have that in them? I'm not sure. I, I say that number right now of how many more games they could lose. I say it's two. I say two games... Is the most they could lose. And that will get them to 10 and 7. Okay. I think 10 and 7 has to be the benchmark right now, has to be the goal. If you look at the AFC standings right now, the way it currently stands, there is a six team win in Buffalo. And then behind Buffalo, there are five teams with five wins, with 10 games to play. I know some of the teams have already had buys, but we're we're in week, uh, we're in week nine. The Raiders are two and five. Okay, so the Raiders have ten games left, and if those teams, you know, should play five hundred football the rest of the way, you know, they're going to reach ten wins. Okay, and the Raiders, in that same span of time, have to go eight and two to make it to ten wins. So that is a tough, tough ask to to go eight and two when you've started two and five. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love to play that speculation game too, but you know, I, I've talked to some other people, and um, you know, I, I think the best course of action right now is is just to take one one week at a time. One game at a time with this team. Lower your expectations, look for small victories, and just take it game by game. Because Um, clearly after the, the two and five start, the fan base has, has, has been disappointed. You know, we, we know the expectations were, were pretty high going into the season and they just have not lived up to those expectations. And so save yourself the aggravation right now. Um, and and just take it one week at a time. That would be my best advice to you. Uh, so that was, that was topic number one. Let's get to topic number two. Now, Dave Ziegler, he spoke on Wednesday afternoon from Florida where the team has been spending the the entire week um, following the game with uh, New Orleans. They're down at uh, IMG Academy. And there's really one topic that I want to mention from the 30 minutes that he spoke. And he, he hit on many different topics, talked about the trade deadline. Of course, they didn't make a move. He was asked about certain players, Derek Carr and his development, Chandler Jones and Josh Jacobs. He talked about a lot of different topics. Okay. Um, but the one question and comment that, that caught my attention specifically was when he was asked about Coach Josh McDaniels. Let's take a listen first to the audio. And then when we come back, I'll, I'll give you some of my, my reaction.
1: Um, been really impressed with Josh. Uh, you know, especially you can. I would say when you're two and five, um, you really get tested. Um, your leadership really gets tested. Your approach really gets t- tested. And um, just been really impressed with how Josh has handled that. Um, his consistency with the team, his messaging with the team, his attitude. Um, he continues to teach. Um, he continues to. I see players continue to improve under not only Josh's watch but the rest of the coaching staff's watch. Um, I think the game management has been good um and i think he's had a good plan every week we have to execute the plan um and and i think that's been something that we um the the team would tell you that we haven't been very consistent on we haven't had 11 guys execute um consistently enough on a play-in and play-out basis and when you're playing good teams like you have to do that more consistently than not and you know this past week we didn't do a good enough job of that but um I think Josh has done a great job and, and have total confidence in him and his ability to lead this team going forward, um, a belief in him as an offensive uh, coordinator and a belief in him as a teacher. And I think the one thing, again, I'll, I'll mention because I think it's really important is I've seen a lot of players improve here um, under him and his coach's watch and again, the results are the results. We're two and five, so none of us have done uh, a good enough job, myself included. And so you know we're going to continue to we put we're going to continue to put pressure on ourselves to get those results. And again, we'll see where, where it's all at when we get to the end of the season.
2: And and, and so there it was. Uh, a couple of things I want to pull from that. I'm really impressed with Josh. His consistency, his messaging with the players, his improvement with the players. Uh, a couple other things. I I, I think his game management has been good. His game planning. He's been proud of. Those are a couple of things that, you know, when I hear those comments, I just gotta say, really, Dave, really, that that's how you feel about it. Now we all know that's a tricky spot for the general manager to be in. I get it. You know, I don't want to be overcritical. Um, I don't expect him to sit there and trash, not only his friend, a guy he's known since college, but you know, his coach as well. But I, but I have to be honest. I, I, I think those comments. They didn't sit right with me. I mean, how do you feel about it? I I think a couple of weeks ago, I, I made similar comments when we were listening to audio from Josh McDaniels, I believe it was, and I kind of had the same reaction. Um, I, I just want more honesty, you know? And I and again, I know there's a certain etiquette that comes along with these press conferences. Um, they don't like to give out too much information, and, and I understand that. But that was a tough lesson. Listen. I listened to the entire 30 minutes. That was a tough listen. Um, if you want to praise the coach for how he's handled adversity, you know, after a two and five start to the season, okay, that's fine. You know, because I, I do think that's commendable. Um, sometimes, you know, you show your true character when things aren't going the way that you planned versus when everything's going well. So, you know, I, I do think that's something that he should be complimented for. But to praise him for the improvement of players and his game management and, and game planning, I think those have been some of the, the problems with this team personally. And I think there's a lot of people out there that, that are with me on that. I mean, talking about player development, what about some of the players who have taken a step back under Josh McDaniels? I could throw a lot of names out there and I'm, and I'm going to start with one. And I know this could be controversial. But Derek Carr, and this isn't an attack on Derek Carr. This is not me blaming Derek Carr because I blame the coach for maybe some lack of that development, okay? And I know you may be sitting there saying, well, it's only year one. They're They're only seven games in. I understand all that. But when you look back at the trajectory that Derek Carr was on under Coach Gruden, he was showing some steady improvements in a lot of areas. And when you look at the numbers now, some of those numbers are down. His completion percentage, have you looked at that? His completion percentage is 62.9% right now, which is the lowest for Derek Carr. Now, I know we're only seven games in, but that's the lowest it's been since the 2017 season. The same can be said with his passer rating, which is also at the, right now, it's currently what it was, uh, around the same number it was in 2017, okay? So, you know, you can sit here and talk about the improvements of Foster Moreau and, and Divine Diablo all you want, and that's a good thing. You know, I'm glad those guys are improving, but McDaniels, everybody knows his biggest influence on this team, you know, as a teacher and as a coach is on the offense with the quarterback, and to sit there and say those kind of things after a 24 to nothing blowout loss, when your offense doesn't cross the 50 yard line, those comments just don't sit right with me. They just don't sit right with me. And I, you know, I would have preferred to have heard something a little bit different from Ziegler, maybe a little bit more honesty. That's all I'm looking for. I mean, we're we're smart fans. We've been watching football a long time. We see what's going on out there on the field. We're not blind. We know football. At least we think we do, right? <laughs> we think we know what we're talking about. We may not always, but I guarantee you when when he's sitting in his office at night over there in Henderson, right? And he's he's evaluating everything. He can't be proud or impressed with anything that's going on right now. There's no way. And he can talk about the long-term plan but going into this season, whether he'll admit it or not, this team was expected to compete for a playoff spot. Most likely, that will no longer be the case. Okay, at two and five, is it realistic? And perhaps now the focus has changed. Now that the, the narrative has, while well, we're in evaluation mode, year one is always about evaluating talent, getting to know players. That's what we're doing. You know, they're kind of downplaying it all now, right? I get it. I understand. Damage control. That's what that's what he has to do. He just seems too content right now to me. You know, as a fan who, who has, you know, we've all endured a lot over the last 20, 25 years, right? It's been a long time. And it's almost as if he doesn't realize this team was in the playoffs last year. In the playoffs with a chance, with the ball, to go ahead against Cincinnati. Now, it didn't happen, but this team is now 2-5, and and they added Devontae Adams to the offense. They added Chandler Jones to the defense. They brought in a coach who we thought was going to be a great addition to the offense. And they've taken a step back. They've taken a step back. And I've said this more than anybody out there. I've talked about how these things often take time. Well, guess what? I'm done saying that. I'm done saying it. This is week nine. They've had all the off-season program. They've had the preseason. They had training camp. They've now had seven games to get it right. I see a lot of other first-year coaches out there having plenty of success. Brian Dayball with the Giants. Mike McDaniels with the Dolphins, the coach of the Vikings, there's plenty of new guys out there who who took over teams that were not playoff teams last year and are doing a whole heck of a lot better. So I'm not going to say it anymore. This team has had plenty of time now to get things going. It hasn't happened yet. So I would have appreciated a little bit more honesty from the general manager and some of the comments he made. Anyways, those were some of my thoughts. I'd like to hear yours. Shoot me a message on the Twitter over our you know DM or over at the website justpodbaby.com to the contact page. Let me know what you thought of Dave Dave Ziegler and his comments that he made with the media on Wednesday. All right, segment one is down. Next up is a quick break. So I will step aside and when I come back, we will dive into the preview of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And to do that, we'll be joined by Mark Long, who covers the Jaguars for the Associated Press. This is Just Pod Baby brought to you by sportsnot.com.
1: Welcome back to Just Pod, Baby.
2: Run down the field on them!
1: Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Yeah, Raiders! News, views, and guests. Just win, baby. Yeah. There's only one nation and they listen here. Once a raider, always a raider.
2: All right, Raider Nation, welcome back to Just Pod Baby, the week nine preview show as the Raiders take on the Jacksonville Jaguars down in Jacksonville. Uh, that's where the Raiders have spent the past week down in Florida, getting acclimated to the time zone and the heat and all the different other things, other factors that will be a part of the game this weekend. Before we go out to all the, the phone lines and bring in our guests, uh, I do have the injury report here in front of me from Thursday. I want to quickly run through that. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, They've only got one player listed. So they're they're all good to go. But the Raiders have a bunch of guys here. Um, Derek Carr found himself on the injury report um with a back injury. Don't know, you know, the extent of how serious it is. He did get a full practice in both on Wednesday and Thursday. So obviously he's gonna play in that game, but there might be some sort of ailment with his back right now. Devontae Adams, you know, he was he was ill last week, didn't practice a couple of days and Obviously, was not himself last week. You know, he didn't play well. Um, he was limited Wednesday. Got a full practice in on Thursday. Divine Diablo. He has a back and a wrist injury. He did not participate on Wednesday. Was limited on Thursday. Um, other than that, he had a couple guys limited. Neil Farrell Jr. Limited both days. Matt Collins with a heel injury. Limited uh, both days. And then Darren Waller. He's going to be the big one. I mean, he was kind of a he was a late not kind of he was a late scratch. Last week, many of us thought he was going to play. The The Raiders told us hours before the game that he would not play. So, you know, got to get that guy back in the lineup. Got to get him back in the lineup. Uh, I've seen clips of him on social media. I saw clips of him working out in the field last week. He looks good to me. You know, I, I don't know, but uh, was limited both Wednesday and Thursday. So that Friday practice is going to be very telling for uh, Darren Waller. So that is the injury report, um, and you know before we uh, bring in our guests, uh, just a couple other comments. To me, is this the Raiders' last stand? I mean, this is it, right? Twenty twenty two season. I mean, if they lose this game to to a lowly Jacksonville Jaguars who are coming off a five game losing streak, I mean, this is the Raiders' last stand, in my opinion. If they lose. You can write them off. They are not going to the playoffs at 2-6. and It's not going to happen. So to me, this is a must-win game. I'm calling this the Raiders' last stand. Okay, that's what I'm calling it. Uh, But we are going to go out to the phone lines now and welcome in our guest this week to help us preview the Jacksonville Jaguars. Joining us now on the line is beat writer from the Associated Press, Mark Long. And and Mark, we thank you for the time, and we appreciate you uh, uh, joining us this week, and I just mentioned the Jaguars come into week nine, looking to snap a five game losing streak after they had won two in a row prior to that. Uh, but before we get into the matchup and some of the particulars with the Jaguars, they did make news this week. They made a trade at the trade deadline. And some people have criticized the move that they made to add Kelvin Ridley, a receiver who is suspended for the remainder of the season. But what are some of your thoughts uh, on the deal for Kelvin Ridley?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, it's, it's a fairly low, low risk deal. Uh, you know, the Jags are going to give up a sixth for sure. I, I, I actually, yeah, f- a fifth round for sure to get him. And then, you know, if he, if he, uh, plays and it, you know, it becomes a four. And if he plays a lot, it becomes a three. And then if he re-signs with the Jags, it becomes a two. So when you're looking at those kind of things, uh, you know the conditional pick and 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 plus the fifth, so it's another pick that is conditional. But when you look at those kind of things, that's not a lot to give up if he turns out to be a franchise guy. And they go back and they look at, you know, what he did in 2020. You know, 90 catches, 1,300 yards, he was nine touchdowns. It was, you know, it was fantastic. He was a better receiver in Atlanta than than Julio Jones, and uh, he had become their number one and. The Jags look at that and they go, okay, well, let's, let's, you want to do a deep dive. It's not a very great, promising free agent class coming out next year. I mean, a free agent class available next year. And it's not a great uh, receiving core coming out of college. So they looked at it and they said, okay, we've got to get, this is a way for us to, you know, it's a little bit of a gamble, a little bit of a risk, but this is a way for us to potentially. Land a uh, a big time number one receiver who then makes their complimentary pieces and they like their complementary pieces. Zay Jones and Christian Kirk, both of them signed in free agency this year. they're not you know number one guys. they're both complementary pieces who would be a lot better if you know if uh, Calvin Ridley can return to what he looked like in twenty twenty so and they did they did a lot of research in terms of. You know, they've got a longtime Falcons player personnel guy. In fact, he was in the building when the Falcons drafted. He was a director of of college personnel when the Falcons drafted, really. So that helps. They went and talked to his agent a lot. Got to trust some people. His agent says he's in great shape. They went and talked to the guy who's been working out with him uh, up in Atlanta. um, And he's also, you know, supposedly staying in great shape. So all of those things, they think that, you know, this guy's motivated to return and get a second contract and prove that, uh, you know, he still kind of got it. So, you know, he's moving back to Florida where he's from Fort Lauderdale. So they think all of those things will be instrumental in Calvin really being a big time player again.
2: Yeah, I you know I th- I kind of like the move personally. I mean, f- from afar, I don't I don't follow the Jaguars that close, but I thought it was an aggressive move, and um, they got that quarterback there who they they need to surround him with some weapons. And speaking of that quarterback, I, I, I do want to ask you about Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick from twenty twenty one, and and this is a. You know, Raiders podcast, so the listeners aren't watching Jacksonville Jaguars games very often. Um, I know he had a tough rookie year, but what kind of progress has he made uh, through eight games in year two?
0: There's progress, no doubt. He had an awful game at Philadelphia. He turned the ball over five times, Uh, four of them were fumbles that he lost. And so that was, it was in the rain. It was really tough conditions. So, not that he deserves a pass or gets a pass for that but other than that one game it hasn't been awful now then with that said he has turned the ball over in the red zone and he has turned the ball over in late game situations where they got chances to come from behind in one possession games they're 0 6 in one possession games and that's probably that's you know that's probably the defining point in their season the defining you know record for their season is is 0 6 in one possession and if you're going to be good in the NFL and everybody knows this you, you've got to win those games. You've got to win your share of you know, those games that are going to come down to who has the ball last or can somebody make a stop or can somebody make a play, and the Jags haven't done that. Now, whether you think that's you know, a young team that needs to uh, learn to win, that's kind of how they're selling it, or you know, the flip side of that, I think Frank Wright calls it this way, the indie coach, he says, it's not about learning to win. It's really more about learning not how to lose. And that's kind of how the Jags have been every single week. It's not that they're, you know, really failing to win. They're really struggling to not lose. And so they got to figure that out. And a lot of that is is on Trevor and he's taken a lot of grief this week. He's had some, you know, come to Jesus meetings with, you know, with his offensive receivers and offensive line to figure out what is, what is he, where does he need to do, to, to get him over the hump because that's he's the guy who's going to get it done if if they're going to get over the hump at any point this season it's got to be on Trevor Lawrence and he knows that and he admits that and I think the receivers uh, understand that too I mean some of these throws that he's made are in, inexcusable you know last week uh, you know again the Raiders aren't watching but last week he's first in goal at the one and it's a sprint rollout right you know first and goal at the one and it doesn't doesn't pan out, well, he throws it right to a defender as opposed to throwing it away and taking your chances on second and goal at the one or third and goal at the one or fourth and goal at the one. I and mean, that's the one that, you know, everybody in the league points to and goes, that is the mistake you can't make. I don't care if you're first year, second year, you know, 16th year in the league, that's the mistake you can't make as a quarterback. And Trevor Lawrence has made too many of those for, for the Jags and certainly for their fan base.
2: You, know, you talk about, you know, issues on fourth and one there. You know, it looks like from some of the research that I've done, they they do have some struggles in the red zone, currently ranked 24th in the NFL in red zone scoring. We're talking about touchdowns percentage. Um and, and because of Lawrence's mobility, I do find that a little bit surprising because sometimes you can really utilize a mobile quarterback and their abilities in the red zone. Um, but, but is that accurate? Are they, are they struggling a bit in the red zone right
0: now? Oh No, no doubt. And again, I think a big part of it is turnovers. Travis ETN had some bad luck a couple of weeks ago, just literally, you know, he's making a cut and his own knee knocked the ball out of his hand. So, you know, you things like that, you know, Trevor Lawrence has has a couple of interceptions down in the red zone. So when you start turning the ball over there and not even getting f- field goals, you're getting you know, turnovers. That's going to be p- pretty costly. But there's no question that's uh, probably the number one spot that they've struggled is is red zone and and getting the ball in the end zone for a touchdown when they get down there and get close because they're not a bad offense. They've moved the ball pretty well. They're you know middle of the pack analytics people really like this team because they're they've got enough pieces on defense and they're you know good enough offensively that you know they're right in there in the middle portion of the league and they move the ball they can move it both ways they can run the ball their offensive line's pretty solid and they obviously have Trevor and they've got some pieces at receiver but until they get down there and start punching it in they're going to keep being in these uh low scoring one score games down the stretch.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned some of these things because like the Jaguars, the Raiders are a team who has struggled to close and finish games this year. In fact, four of their five losses have also... Uh, come in, in six points or less. So they're, they've been in a lot of tight games as well, with the exception of last week's game. Um, and they also struggle in the red zone as well. So this could be a game where uh, you know it, it comes down to whoever can can close this game out. But we'll have to wait and see. We are chatting with Jaguars beat writer Mark Long, who covers the team for the Associated Press, and we're happy to have Mark on the line with us, sharing a, a few minutes with us. Um, you mentioned Travis Etienne. Um, he now takes over as that workhorse role for the Jaguars following the trade of James Robinson. How has he responded to the larger role, and how should Raider fans expect to see him used in Doug Peterson's offense? Yeah,
0: I mean, he's been fantastic. He carried the ball 24 times last week for a career-high 156 yards. He's got, uh, I think he's got 360 yards rushing the last three weeks, all starts. And he's been so good that they basically said, okay, James Robinson, you know, a 1,000-yard rusher just two years ago as a rookie, James Robinson is is uh, expendable, and they traded James Robinson to the Jets really literally to open up more opportunity for Travis Etienne. He's fast. He can inside, outside. He's got a lot of moves between the tackles and even outside. And then he's really good as a receiving back. They haven't used him a ton. I think that's probably the one area that I could see them it's uh, ex- trying to exploit this week, especially when you look at what Alvin Kamara did to the Raiders defensively last week and lots of space, a lot of open space over the middle. I wouldn't at all be surprised if the Jags at least try to make Oakland or I mean, Vegas prove that they can stop it. They couldn't stop it last week with Kamara. He had a, I think he had, what do you have? 10 catches, nine catches. Yeah. I believe it was nine catches. Yeah. Yards. Yeah. Nine catches for a hundred yards on 12 targets, something like that. So clearly you know Kamar was a big part of the game plan you know with Andy Dalton and I would think the jags at least take a look at that early and see if the raiders can stop it
2: now, I want to jump over to the defensive side of the ball for the jaguars i got, I know they got some young players over there from from a draft a year ago. Of course, they used the top pick on Trayvon Walker this year. Uh, they also used the first round pick on devin uh, Lloyd, the linebacker. So what kind of contributions are they are they getting from the rookie class on defense, but also some of those players who are still in you know in in year two or year three?
0: Yeah, those two guys are going to be studs they, they they're, There's no question. Devin Lloyd would have three picks. Two of them got called back because of, like, uh, personal foul penalties, rough in the pass, or late hit, well, something like that. But he he actually he only has one interception, but he would have three. Uh, two of them called back, so he's been really good. And obviously, Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick, has gotten a lot of attention, a ton of attention. So he gets double teamed more than anybody on their defense. The real kind of their areas of weakness are Josh Allen, the guy they thought, you know, was was going to be their stud pass rusher, you know, he's not even sniffing quarterbacks. He's, I think he's gone four games without a sack and he's got three straight weeks with a quarterback hit, but you know, that's not getting it done. So he's not, you know, just not affecting quarterbacks the way they had hoped. And probably their real biggest hole on that side of the ball is that one cornerback side, the one side, they've got, you know, some talent there with Tyson Campbell, a really young guy, who's a 33rd overall pick a year ago. So second round, top of the second round, and they love him. He was you know, inconsistent as a rookie, but he's starting to come into his own. He's not Jalen Ramsey yet, but there are certainly some characteristics where pe- there are people in the building who think he's got a chance to be as good as Jalen Ramsey, certainly in pass coverage and, and maybe even better than Jalen in terms of run run support. So, you know, they've got some pieces, but they've still got some holes on that side of the ball, and they are susceptible. Their linebackers are susceptible in coverage. They've got a pretty weak cornerback spot, and then they're not generating a lot of pass rush. You throw those three together, and this is why the defense hasn't looked like it did in weeks 2 and weeks 3 at the Chargers in Week 2 – I mean, at the Chargers in Week 3 and Week 2 at home with a shutout against Indianapolis – you haven't looked the same since on that side of the ball.
2: You know, I think you just made Raider fans pretty happy when you mentioned Josh Allen, uh, the defensive end struggling because he he was selected in that 2019 draft where the Raiders, who, who many of the fan base wanted to select Josh Allen. They went with Cleveland Farrell, who has been a major disappointment to this point. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I think you made Raider fans really happy just now. But um, <laughs> last one before I, I let you run here, um, you, you talked about some of the uh, struggles that the defense has in coverage. It looks like the Raiders might finally get back to full strength here offensively. Um it, you know, coming off a, a brutal offensive performance last week, where they were shut out, they didn't even cross the fifty-yard line until I believe four minutes to go in in the fourth quarter. Um, but how's that matchup looking for the Jaguar secondary going up against the the likes of Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller? Should should, should uh, that be something that excites Raider fans?
0: Oh, for sure. I, there's nobody. The Jags don't have anybody who can cover Waller. So if he's healthy and and full go. Jags are in trouble there. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Devontae Adams. There's been talk in the building about shadowing him with Tyson Campbell and that being a one-on-one matchup. I'm not so sure that's the way to play the Raiders. I almost think it's you're better off doubling Devontae Adams with your second cornerback and then taking your top cornerback, Tyson Campbell, and having him shadow Hunter Hunter Renfro. And then you you double one guy, you double the best guy, and you put your best guy on their number two guy. You know, even with that said, I'm not sure how well the, the Jags match up here because their linebackers are young, because they're not, you know, fantastic in pass coverage. You're still talking about trying to cover Josh Jacobs out of the backfield, and he's been pretty okay at that. Not, not, you know, game breaking, but, you know, there's some talent there. And certainly uh, Waller's a a matchup nightmare, I think, for any team in the league, but certainly the Jags, especially with how young they are at that linebacker position.
2: Yes, and and Devontae Adams and and Waller, they're definitely, um, they aren't strangers to double coverage and bracketing coverages because that's something that, uh, opposing defenses have done quite often to the Raiders with, with some level of success as well. So I think you're onto something there. Uh, but Mark long, we we do thank you for giving us a few minutes. Uh, you gave us a great little rundown there of the Jaguars. Uh, we appreciate you coming on and, and, and enjoy the game this weekend. No problem. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. There he goes. Mark long. Uh, thank him for, The great insight there and, you know, three takeaways for me from what he had to say. Number one is I think defensively the Raiders are going to have to uh, contain Travis Etienne. I think he made a great point there about Alvin Kamara Um, being a big problem for the Raiders last week. Now, obviously, these are two different types of players. I'm not going to put Travis Etienne on Kamara's level quite yet, but similar skill sets where he can do a little bit of both. So number one, Raiders got to slow him down. That's going to be a big factor in the game. And then number two, he mentioned um, the issues that the Jaguars have in the secondary opposite of Tyson Campbell, their, their second year cornerback, who he says is kind of an emerging player in the league. You know, Is he going to be able to handle the likes of a Devontae Adams? That is going to be the question if he does travel, as he mentioned. Um, so whoever's lining up opposite of him, you know, maybe Matt Collins might have a game here. Uh, Who knows? Somebody else may have to step up if they do decide to double team Devontae Adams. And then the third takeaway from the conversation was he said they absolutely have nobody to defend Darren Waller. They have linebackers who struggle in coverage. And so it's going to be very, very key that the Raiders get Darren Waller back on the field. Number one. I mean, it's as simple as that. The guy's got to play. I mentioned that I believe this is the, the last stand for the Raiders in their season. They need to be at full strength. And they need to be at full focus. And so uh, Darren Waller, if he is available, could play a big, big role in this game. All right, guys, uh, that is going to do it here for this week's uh, preview show. Excuse me. Um, And I do want to thank our guest, Mark Long, for uh, joining us. Um, And I hope that everyone has a great weekend. Go out there and enjoy that SEC East matchup on Saturday. Georgia versus Tennessee. I know it's college football. We're talking NFL football here, but that should be a heck of a game. Um, We're supposed to have some beautiful weather here on the East Coast, Western New York. It's going to hit 75 degrees here on Saturday. So that doesn't happen often uh, in in November. So I'm going to be outside enjoying myself as well, but take care everyone. And we'll be back here next week, recapping the game on Monday night. I appreciate you all tuning in and as always, just win, baby.